Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. Well, Matthew chapter five, verse nine, we're in a series called Overcoming Anxiety in an Anxious World. We're talking about peace today, and a lot of folks need a lot of it. Many of you today don't have peace in your personal life. You don't have peace of mind. Maybe there's no peace in your marriage or relationships, no peace in your employment or workplace. Some have no peace with members of your family. You've been fussing and feuding for years over the same thing. So it's time to at least consider peace. Some don't have peace with brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. You buried the hatchet, but the handle is up. <clears throat> so today, <clears throat> we're looking at God's Word to discover how to appropriate God's peace. And listen, it can save your marriage, it can save your family, it can even save your soul. Matthew 5, verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, not the troublemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So let me begin by saying, peace is precious. An ancient poet wrote one time, Heap upon other men treasures of the world, but give to me the treasure of an untroubled heart. <clears throat> Love that. Americans frantically search for peace. We drink ourselves into a stupor. We snort cocaine. We inject chemicals into our veins to escape stress and anxiety. I'm thinking of some tragedies this year, Matthew Perry. I was thinking of Robin Williams. I'm thinking of a lot of people who are successful, handsome or beautiful, rich, popular, and yet they cannot overcome depression. It's amazing how many years they suffered. They say, well, they suffered with depression. They always suffered with depression. That is not the life Jesus Christ gives you. That is not possible. And it proves that money and drugs and fame and popularity don't bring you peace. You can go to the most expensive home in Dominion, and you can find out real quick, everybody in an expensive home or neighborhood doesn't have peace. And so a lot of people miss where it is, and they keep searching for it. There are many things we want. We desire, you know, we want good health. We want love, riches, beauty, talent, power, and fame. But without peace of mind, those things only bring torment instead of peace. So if we have peace, no matter what else you might lack, life can be a beautiful thing. If you're living at the end of a dirt road in a shack with peace, you've got a good life. But without peace, you can have a palace made out of gold, and it's a penitentiary. Peace is valuable and precious. So what is peace? Well, it is not the absence of strife. Just because you and your spouse don't argue doesn't mean there's peace in your home. Have you ever walked into your house and felt that cold chill? <laughs> kind of reminds you of the old country western song. Is that a chill I feel, baby, or is that just you? <laughs> See, Cindy said, I don't know that song. See, peace is not absolute tranquility. People say, well, peace is detachment from risk and responsibility. 
Not so. Peace is not total security, nor the absence of tension. In this world, there's no such thing as total security or the absence of tension. One day, a woman went to the office of her pastor, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, up in New York State, and she said, look, I'm tired of living life with risk and responsibility. I hate all the anxiety. What can I do? So he took her out of the office, put her in a cab, and told the driver where to go. And when they pulled up at the largest cemetery in New York City, Dr. Peel pushed her out and says, when you get where these people are, you'll have what you think you're looking for. See, what he was saying was to pray for the peace of death if you want release from risk and responsibility. Because there's no such thing as total retreat and withdrawal from life. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. In other words, take up your purpose, take up your task, take up your assignment. See, there are giants to defeat, folks. There are mountains to climb. There are powers and principalities to conquer. Christianity is a call to life, not death. Christianity is not escapism. Christianity is involvement. Christianity is transforming adversity into opportunity. Christianity is giving and forgiving. Christianity is fighting the good fight until you win the fight. Christianity is knowing that nothing is impossible with Jesus because he is the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is the peace that passes all understanding. And when you have him, you'll have the answer to what you're searching for. So why did Paul say this was peace that passes all understanding? Because it's true. You can be happier with the peace of God in a combat zone than in your comfort zone. You can be happier in a lion's den with the peace of God than in a king's palace. You can be happier in a fiery furnace with the three Hebrew children and the fourth man in that fire than those cowards who are outside bowing down to the image. So stop looking for the Maalox bottle and dialing 911 every time you get into an emotional confrontation. Isaiah the prophet wrote in chapter 26, verse 3, I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. See, there's more peace in the battle than sitting on the sidelines. That's the peace that passes all understanding. Peace is won by a company God out on the battlefield. That's how you win the peace. There's peace in the time of trouble because you know you're the winner. You know you're going to be victorious. You're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I can't escape the fight, but knowing how the outcome's going to be, it's not over till I win, keeps me in the fight and keeps my head squared on straight and helps me to have peace of mind. I'm not going to get a wedgie and I'm not going to fall apart. Being defeated is out of the question because we are more than conquerors. We are the church triumphant. There is peace even in the hour of death, especially to a believer, because Jesus promised to be the resurrection and the life. When he came back from the dead, he had to talk to the disciples, and he says, stop freaking out. Touch me. Smell my aftershave. It's me. Look at the nail prints, Emma. It's really me. You don't have to fear death. I will give you eternal life. So even in moments of death, I've stood in the hospital. I was thinking of being with Gary Cheek in his last hours of life, a former member of this church who's in heaven now. 
uh, a veteran uh, in our military. And I remember we were able to smile, we were able to laugh and talk about him and his soon entrance into the kingdom of God. He had total peace. Judy had peace. It's not a pleasant thing, death. It's the last enemy Jesus will destroy, but it had no fear for his eternal life. He wasn't in panic and he wasn't in fear. He was just waiting to see the face of his Savior, which he did. And God brings to all of us that peace that trust him. There's peace in the time of a storm because he's the master of winds and waves. There's peace in the valley, in the darkest valley, because the psalmist wrote, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, ever been there? Ah, you are with me. I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So no matter what I'm going through, I know he's with me and he will never leave me or forsake me. So calm down. Chicken little, the sky's not falling. Calm down. Men, occasionally reach over to your wife and just put your hand on her shoulder and say, peace, baby peace. Calm down. Or to one of your children, peace. Or to a close friend. I was doing that the other night with a friend. Just peace. You know, they're trouble with the kids or trouble with somebody in the family. Peace. Calm down. God's got your back. He's got this thing. The Bible says, if God be for me, who can prevail against me? So the victory is ours in Jesus' name. So God says, rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. Peace is the gift of God. Jesus said, my peace I give you, not like the world gives, but such as I have, I give it to you. You can't get it any other place. And let me shock you, it was never God's intention to bring universal peace to the earth in his first coming. Jesus said in Matthew 10, don't think I've come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword. And Jesus himself was that sword because everything in the universe is divided over how you accept or reject Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus said, you're either wheat or tares, sheep or goats. You're either walking the broad way that leads to destruction, or you're walking the narrow way that leads to life. You can't be on two roads at the same time. You're either living by the truth of God, or you're being deceived by Satan's lie. You are the servant of Jesus or a slave to your flesh, to sin, and Satan. There's no in between. Romans 5 verse 1. Here's what Paul says. He says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So peace is the gift of God. And without surrender to Jesus, peace will not come. let, Let me say this. The Bible says that we are enemies of God. We are alienated from God because our sins have separated us from God. So I'm an adversary to this holy God. So what can we do? That means I don't have peace with God. He's at war with me because I'm at war with him. So Jesus steps into my place, takes my shame, takes my guilt, takes my punishment, and is is now beaten by Roman cat of nine tails, and all the stripes of judgment are laid on Jesus. When I accept Jesus, then the Father says, now we have, you have peace with me because you have now trusted Jesus who took the punishment you deserve. And so God laid on him the iniquity of us all. How good that is. Not on Buddha, not on Muhammad, but on Jesus. And so he says, I'll now give you peace with me, peace with God and the peace of God because that peace has been justified by the death of my son. He took it all for me in my place. 
Does that make sense? So now I have peace with, he's not mad at me. So there's not one day of my life since I accepted Jesus so many years ago. That one day of my life, God's judging me. And don't ever tell your children, look, God's judging you because you disobeyed mommy. Don't do that. That's not God. God judged Jesus in my place. Now, you can make a foolish choice. Consequences come from choices. But it wasn't God judging me. It was me being stupid and driving too fast. See, that policeman pulled you over. God's judging. No, he's not judging me. The policeman was judging me because I was going too fast. Choices have consequences, but I'm never being judged. I'll never be judged. There's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Jesus took my guilt, took my condemnation. I'll never be judged a day in my life ever, ever. So this is good news, folks. That's the gospel. The angel sang in Luke 2, verse 14. This is the first Christmas morning. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. The Greek reads, peace on earth to those of whom God approves. That means if God does not approve you, you're not going to have peace. And peace will not happen unless you reconcile to God through Jesus. I hope you've made that choice. What a wasted Christmas if you haven't. Peace is impossible without God's approval. The prophet Isaiah chapter 57 says in verse 20, the wicked are like the troubled sea. It cannot rest. The waters are always stirring up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith God, to the wicked. See, peace is the gift of God. And he gives it to those that bow their knee to his son, Jesus, as Savior and Lord. Then you have peace with God and you have the peace of God. I'm never in fear. I'm facing judgment. I'm face no, I'm not. I've already been judged. I'm not facing judgment at all. And if something's not right in my life, I simply have to acknowledge it, confess it, repent of it, and I'm instantly forgiven. Peace is the opposite of hatred. The most expensive thing in our world is hatred, and I've never seen more of it than now in our world. Look at the results of hatred, war, divorce, racial prejudice, slander, suicide, which is self-hatred, and murder. How can those things be exterminated? Well, we've tried laws and courts and counselors, but those things that we just mentioned can only be eradicated when you become a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Where is peace to be found? Well, nowhere in the Bible is it the goal of my existence. Peace is the consequence of something. The Bible says a fruit of the Spirit the Holy Spirit, is peace, Galatians 5. So when you surrender to Jesus and you receive his Holy Spirit, peace comes with him. You don't have to psychosomatically, you know, dupe yourself into believe, I'm full of peace, I'm full of peace, I'm full of peace. Nonsense. Peace is the fruit of reconciliation to God through faith in Jesus. Paul wrote in Romans 5, 1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. In other words, I have been justified by faith. I trust, I believe Jesus took my punishment, took my place, took my shame, and now I have peace. And I have that peace every day, and nobody can talk me out of it. Nobody can guilt me into it because that is an eternal thing God gives you. You need to renew your mind. You got to come to church more than Christmas and Easter and get some word in you so you know how to stand when the enemy tries to condemn all of us. 
there can be no peace of mind until there's peace with God. Every man's heart has a sense of inner wrongness and a hunger for what's right. See, uneasiness in the heart is a sense of guilt. And there's no use in sweeping that under the rug and trying to escape to some tropical paradise as though you can escape you. You can't. Uneasiness is within you. And it's saying, okay, buddy, you cross the line. Stop. Turn around. That's repentance. And return to God. Our generation dismisses the whole idea of guilt. Nobody's guilty anymore. Tell our police that. When I'm driving on 281. I'm not guilty. I know what the spinometer says, but I'm not guilty. It's not my fault. It's Tesla's fault. <laughs> this gets really dumb, right? It's not my fault. I got burned because I put hot coffee on my dash and drove with the law of physics, and it went into my lap and burned me. It must be McDonald's fault. They should be serving cold coffee, not hot coffee. This is just gets stupid. I'm going to sue you for half a million dollars. You, you, you just want to take somebody like that and say, who raised you? Yeah. Are they in the zoo? I want to meet your mama and daddy. Who raised you? See, nobody's guilty anymore. No fault divorce. No fault insurance. See, there's no such thing as a liar anymore. You're just an extrovert with a big imagination. And if you did something wrong, it's somebody else's fault. If your teacher called you down in class or gave you a bad grade, why, you have a right to become a psychopathic murderer. See, conscience and moral responsibility just don't seem to matter anymore because nothing is your fault. So we've become a society that wants to feel good without being good. We want the peace of God without the moral price. But you can't get the peace of God unless you receive the Prince of Peace. That's Jesus. Amen. In 1 John... Chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I think some people have the idea of big sins and little sins. I don't know where they came from. God can forgive little sins, but big sins will really strain God. <laughs> Folks, there is nothing that has ever entered your cerebral cortex that God hadn't seen a billion times. And he knew you'd do it before you ever did it. Therefore, if you will confess your sin, God will give you instantaneous and outrageous forgiveness. Your sins will be remembered no more. Buried in the deepest part of the sea, Scripture now says never to be remembered against you anymore. God is not keeping score. He already punished Jesus in full. When I confess my wrongdoing, I'm instantly cleansed, forgiven, and forgotten. So God will forgive it and forget it. So you confess it and forget it and move on. If your inner self is crying for peace, it's only possible when you reconcile with Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and you bow before him and confess that he is Lord. Peace won't come until you do that. And by the way, there will come the day that every celebrity, every politician, every dictator, every mass murderer, everybody in this world will stand before Jesus Christ, bow the knee, and confess he is Lord to the glory of God. So you can bow now, or you can bow later and face judgment. For me, I'll do the bowing now and let Jesus take my judgment. Peace is the fruit of responsibility. It's the result of facing life. 
not fleeing or running from the risk of life. Life has risk in it. Jesus said in John 14, verse 27, my peace I give unto you, not like the world gives. And when did he say that? Well, he didn't say that from some ivory tower of detachment. He said that the night before he was to be crucified. Jesus was saying, you do your duty and you'll have my peace. Moses did his duty. He faced Pharaoh 10 times, even though he was a convicted murderer and a wanted man. Joshua did his duty. He marched around the walls of Jericho seven times. They blew the trumpets and the walls fell down. David did his duty. He fought and killed Goliath. Paul did his duty. He fought the good fight and kept the faith and then was decapitated by Rome. But he finished his course and he did his duty. You are never going to find the peace of God until you do your duty. You do what God has given you to do. That's your purpose. That's your assignment. So do it with all your heart. Do it with all your soul. Do it with all your mind and body. And do it as unto the Lord. I, don't do it as unto your husband or unto your employer. Do it as unto the Lord. If you're going to volunteer with Lisa and James in the cafe, which will be open in a couple of more weeks, they're remodeling it. But if you go out and get your latte or something like that and you volunteer, don't give some half-warm latte to somebody. You a pretend Jesus just stood up there, and you're making it for him. I want that thing smoking hot, mixed right. No half... I have to watch what I'm saying. <laughs> it's funny how that just comes back to you real quick. No, you don't want to. You, you want to do a good job. You want to do it excellent. If you're passing out, welcoming people, big smile. Hello, how are you? If you're making an announcement, effervescent, big smile. Do it with all your heart because you're doing it unto the Lord. Not doing it for you. Doing it is unto the Lord. Whatever our job may be, whatever our assignment is, greeting people, uh, helping in the nursery, uh, helping with the youth, whatever we're doing, technology, sound, equipment, do it with excellence and do it with all your heart and mind. I, if I do the best I can do, I have peace about it. That's it. You can't get blood out of a turnip. Do the best you can. See, you do it unto the Lord because that's your duty. Let, let me give you a thought. If all you can do is open a door for people to enter the house of God, if that's the maximum of your intellectual and physical ability, but you do it faithfully as unto God and your whole heart in it, your reward in heaven is the same as Billy Graham. To whom much is given, much shall be required. See, faithfulness is the degree upon which you are rewarded. What did Jesus say? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Are you faithful? I mean, you know, I, I watch people and I thought, I'm bringing my offering to Jesus as worship, as a believer since I'm 18 years old. That's my duty. That's part of worship. That's a command of the Lord. I don't need a tear-jerking sermon. I don't need an illustration to get me to give to the Lord. That's part of my responsibility. That'd be like paying the, making a house payment for Cindy or buying the groceries. That's my duty. You know, some parents say, well, you know, we put you through school. Well, you're my parent. You should put me through school. That's your duty. You don't get credit for doing your duty. That's just what you should do. Once in Scripture, God says, you've only done what you should do. What reward is there for doing what you should do? It's when you do more than you should do and go the extra mile. Ah, that's when, that's when you get some real attention. So what's, given you, what's God given you to do? Stop whining about it, not being prestigious enough, visible enough, or anything else enough. Get after it. Do it with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. And do it as unto the Lord every day you get up. 
Peace is the fruit of righteousness. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And I want to be a champion and advocate for peace, but if the Bible's true, and it is, there won't be world peace until the Prince of Peace returns, and he will return. It's easier to hate war than to hate in ourselves attitudes that make war possible. See, the price for peace in the streets of America, the price for our nation to return to any kind of sanity is a return to the God of this Bible and to the principles that are in it. Is it really that hard to say, love your neighbor as yourself? Don't lie. Don't take the other guy's wife. I mean, is this really difficult? Do you really need an engineering degree from Harvard? This is common sense. You want peace? You just do what God said. Psalms 33:12. blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Peace is the fruit of repentance. You know, the last word to the church is not the Great Commission. You find it in Revelation 2, verse 5. And that was the Lord's command to repent to five out of the seven churches that he wrote to, right? You guys don't want to change, no turning around. Guess what? No peace. See, Christianity today doesn't call for commitment. Well, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it either. I don't feel like a husband some days, but I am. Cindy will remind me. <laughs> I don't feel like doing this or I don't feel like doing that. You, if you're going to live by your flesh, you're not going to do much. But you've got to live life by commitment. Yeah. You know, when you say, till death do us part, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty strong commitment. What kind of a commitment can you make? You promise the Lord to follow him, to obey him, to do what he says? Yeah, well, I don't know. It's inconvenient today. Well, then just don't do it. That's what most people do. Just don't do it. But a commitment means I don't need two attorneys signing papers. I shake your hand, I'll do it. If I tell you I will, I will. If I say I'll be there, I will. Given the fact that I may not feel like it, given the fact it might be inconvenient, I'll still be there. I gave you my word on it. I will be there. How commit, committed are you? See, we, we don't call for commitment, warfare, sacrifice, nor does Christianity call for accountability and responsibility. It doesn't allow for any pain or suffering. It doesn't call for discipline. It doesn't call for the rejection of anything. Just dodge the tough task. And if it doesn't feel good, well, just quit. If it requires more of me than I'm comfortable with, I won't obey. It's my life. I'll do what I like. Well, you're not going to have any peace of God. I'm telling you that if you want the peace of God, put on the whole armor of God, walk out on the field of battle, engage the enemy, and give it all you've got and then some, and then declare the victory is ours through Christ the Lord. Let God rise. Let his enemies be scattered. Blessed are the peacemakers. That means peacemaking is proactive. It's a decision to do something, not just talk about it or dream about it. Peace has to be made. You can drift into divorce. You can drift into war. You can drift into prejudice. But if peace is to be realized, you have to make it. It's impossible for everybody to make fortunes. It's impossible for everybody to have a great name like Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. But we can do something even better. We can all choose to be peacemakers. Peace is a choice. The alternative is war. The alternative is divorce. The alternative is strife and division. I had enough of that. See, had you rather be reconciled or would you rather be right? 
Say, you can win an argument and lose your marriage. Well, hooray for you, dummy. If you want to be reconciled or be right, that'll determine really how far you go in life. See, listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. Christ chose to be reconciled to the world rather than count our sins against us. God chose to reconcile us to himself rather than be right and count our sins. Aren't you glad he didn't say, well, no, sorry, Gladys, you ain't getting nothing. You deserve every bit of judgment I'm giving. There'll be no grace for you. You've done too much, gone too far. I will not spare you. I will not show you any pity. You are so bad. And yet God says, let me tell you how I am. I would rather reconcile you to myself than count your sins against you. And if you'll come to Jesus, I won't count them against you. In fact, I won't even remember them anymore. You tell me who can beat this deal. I, 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 I want to know. You, do you want to get into legalism? How, people get tormented in church, and I just don't get it. You just almost make Christianity hard. Christianity is easy because I didn't do anything. Now, the hard part's living on earth. The hard part's doing marriage. The hard part's doing money, doing kids, doing relations. That's the hard part. Need a lot of grace of God. But going to heaven is not that hard, and I think a lot of you are going to be shocked if you go there who you see there. Because that part doesn't require you to qualify. It required the, son, the sinless Son of God shedding His blood and taking your judgment. See, He says, I'm not going to count. What if I chose, I got to be right, never argument with Cindy? We'll be in divorce. How about with your brothers? Do I have to be right? Get into all the political arguments. Do you have to be right every time so we stay divided? Or can you just let it go? And choose to, choose to have a good relationship with a friend, but we just disagree. Yeah, I'm amazed at how people will go to war and fight each other over something that has no bearing on their eternal life or future. Let me tell you what, Washington does not care about you or me, and I don't care who's in there. They don't care. They care about themselves, and they just use us, and they often turn us against each other. Don't you dare allow politics to divide your Christianity. We were, been, we're born again, no Jew, no Gentile, no Democrat, Republican, black, white, or Hispanic in Christ. Uh, you're my brother, my sister. I just disagree. That's fine. But we're not going to be divided. I don't have to be right in every argument. And if you do, you won't have many friends, right? No, 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 no. So don't do marriage like that at all. You're never more like God than when you're making peace, and you're never more like the devil when you're causing division. Are you an accuser of the brethren? That's what Satan is. If you're accusing somebody else in the body of Christ, you're doing the work of the enemy for him. Are you a gossip? If peacemakers are the children of God, then gossip is satanic. The Bible says in James that the tongue is set on fire of hell. Who can tame it? I think the tongue is destroyed more than the sword ever has through words. How mighty is their power? How irrevocable is their influence? Wounds inflicted by a sword will heal. But there are wounds inflicted by the tongue that in some people will never heal. How many friendships have been destroyed by words? How many homes have been wrecked? How many churches have been divided? How many divorces have been demanded? How many wars have begun because of the poison that spewed off that top of this piece of meat hiding out between your teeth? The tongue. 
See, there are words that corrupt, stain, and defile. The human heart, they just come right out of the heart, the issues of life. There are words of poison that linger and destroy, words of death, words of bitterness, words of suspicion and accusation. This auditorium and those watching online are filled with people whose lives or homes or marriages have been scarred or poisoned by the human tongue. It was an ignorant, stupid man who said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. See, only a fool believes that. Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Talk about extreme alternatives, life or death, nothing in between, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Oh, Rick, I said it without thinking. Wrong. The tongue is only responding when the brain signals it to do so. Now, as far as I know, breathing and blinking of the eye are the only involuntary reflexes in your body. Your tongue can't move until your brain gives it permission. Always remember those who gossip to you will gossip about you, sweetheart. Always. You know why a dog's a man's best friend? Because the dog wags its tail and not its tongue. Proverbs 16, verse 28, a whisperer, a talebearer, a gossip separates chief friends. See, you, I, when I run into that with people, I want to be a peacemaker to get them to reconcile and make peace. Proverbs 18, 8, the words of a talebearer are as wounds. Paul wrote in Romans 14, the kingdom of God's not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. How do I know if the kingdom of God's operating in my home or in my life? Well, I'll be right living, not perfect, but right living, peace, and joy. And if there's none of that going on in your home, that's not the kingdom operating in your home, in your office, in your life. See, can you see the sequence? Righteousness or right living, peace, and joy. Peace on earth is simple. You go to righteousness right living first. And the price for peace is right living. The price for peace in your home, righteousness. The price of peace in church, righteousness. In other words, what would Jesus do? Uh, do it. You see, in our volatile world, we need to heed the words of Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you're going to have peace and joy and all of these things shall be added to you. Do you want peace? real peace, lasting peace, then pursue righteousness, right living. Take responsibility for your life. Peace will come like a river and you'll feel the joy of the Lord. When the sun comes up in the morning, you'll get out of bed with such vigor, you'll hurt yourself because good things are getting ready to happen in your life. Would you bow your head with me for another second? This is probably a, not an easy message to, to actually deliver, but how many would say this morning, Rick, for a lot of reasons, I don't have peace in my life. I don't have peace in my heart. I don't have peace in my mind. No peace in my marriage or my family. There's no peace where I work. I just don't have that settled peace. But I want it today. If that's you, just, just stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Come on, just get up. Because it's a good thing to want peace with God. Come on, if there's been troubled with anxiety, stand up. So let's stop that right now. That's it. Come on, be bold. Stand up. We're family. 
This is easy. Come on. Don't, don't fight with that thing anymore. Don't let pride keep you down. I, I, want, I want to walk in the peace of God every day. If you've never accepted Jesus, I'd like to pray with you. If you're not sure, just stand up. I'm going to pray for all of us together. So I'm going to ask us with our heads bowed, would you pray out loud this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I come before your throne. I ask you today to forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. From this day forward, I will seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his right way of living, to receive the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of Jesus, I am asking you, Lord, for peace in my life, in my marriage, in my mind, in my workplace. I receive it, Lord Jesus, in the authority of your name. Peace that will pass all understanding. I receive it now in the name of Jesus, and I will leave with it today, and I will keep it in the authority of Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I thank you, and I pray amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a good shout. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.